They're four and one. Are the Minnesota Vikings the team to beat in the NFC North? That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome into the Wednesday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back once again. Hope everybody is having a great Wednesday. You guys know the drill. The show brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs this season. And over at Bet Online, you're going to find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, game trends, and they, as your continued source for all your sports wagering info, they have live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. They are always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events like baseball, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join, and you're going to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. Ah, the Minnesota Vikings, 4-1, sitting high atop a NFC North division that is playing out perhaps a little differently than we all anticipated. Maybe for some, exactly how you anticipated. But the Minnesota Vikings, 4-1, leading that division. And folks, I'll be honest with you, as the focus of today's show, I don't know what to make of this Minnesota Vikings start because in just a four-game sample size, you can feel... The positive nature of this team, you can feel their course potentially changing for the better. You can feel a new coach bringing in a new system, a new belief, a new confidence that this team sorely has been lacking over the the past couple of years. But in their one loss, you can see that same old Vikings team that has pulled the rug out from underneath the fans and the NFL as a whole once before. I think you have to go back in order to tell this story properly to week one and what they were able to do against the Green Bay Packers. And the immediate thought after that game was, oh boy, is this Vikings team different than the team that we thought we were going to see, that we thought Kevin O'Connell had in Minnesota? And then very quickly, the following week, primetime football, Monday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles, primetime Kirk reared his ugly head, and everything felt right in the world. The the Thanos, everything in balance meme is what came to my mind as you watch that game because they're one and one. Primetime Kirk struck again, didn't play well in a primetime game. The Eagles win, and you start to question whether or not that what we saw in week one for the Minnesota Vikings was truth or fiction. Now, I think that as we've grown a bigger sample size here and as we've gotten five games into the season, I think we now feel as if, man, those Eagles are really good. And that's why the Minnesota Vikings lost, because they have looked good and they have found ways to win football games each of the last couple of weeks to put themselves in position to be 4-1 and and leading the NFC North. But that doesn't mean I'm fully ready to buy in. There's always that caution of, is it too early to say that they've turned the corner? Is it too early to say that this is a different Minnesota Vikings team? And I'm torn on where I feel about this. But I think if you had to ask me right now, I do think that this is a different Minnesota Vikings team because I think there's a lot of development that they can still have offensively. It does feel like we're watching a different Kirk Cousins. And I do not underrate the fact that having a new coach who's got a new voice, a new way of going about things, can certainly help change the narrative, can change the conversation in that building. 
but I can very much understand those of you that still believe that these are those same old Vikings and that shoe is going to drop. And I don't blame you. I certainly can see that case, and we certainly need to get a couple more games under our belt before we know for sure. And this next part of the schedule, I think, sets up that way. But you guys know the drill here. You don't just hear my thoughts. We get to the bottom of this with the members of the TDN staff, and Damian Parson has the Vikings in his region. He watches his team closer than anybody else. So what does he think? Is he in agreement that this team looks different, feels different, and we need to start taking them seriously as the top team in the NFC North? Or is he still leaving that door open just a little bit that the same old Vikings of years past are going to walk through that door and rear their ugly head once again? DP, help me out. We got the 4-1 and one Minnesota Vikings. They are currently in first place in the NFC North. They have taken the throne from the Green Bay Packers. Am I am I amping myself up? Am I getting too excited about what we've seen in Minnesota? Is this for real? Man, shoot. It's tough, man. I, I want to say yes. For 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 Skull Nation, I want to say yes. But I want to put an asterisk by it. They have some things they have to fix. You've got, I think right now, Kirk Cousins is, is top of the league right now, right now with uh comeback victories in the fourth quarter. Right? Like he's you know, last last season under Mike Zimmer. This is what gives me hope for this team is eight of their losses last year, if I remember counting it correctly, were one score possessions that they lost. The the wins this season, they got three consecutive one score possession victories that were crunch time, clutch. I mean, I know, of course, the Saints game, they the Saints missed a field goal over in London or whatever, but it was the simple fact that Kirk Cousins and that offense displayed the toughness, the grit to make it. Uh, a game and put themselves in position to win, and they they've won three straight. So uh, this is a team. Of course, week one they knocked off the king of the north himself, Aaron Rodgers, uh, to start the season. So shoot, I say yes, they can. They are a legitimate team right now, especially in that division. Uh, but they have some things they got to clean up, man. Some consistency issues uh, from drive to drive and quarter to quarter. But this team is playing well and they're playing tough. I think what's so interesting about this, DP, and it's why I wanted to have you on and talk about this, because you reach a certain point in the season, and I think through the first two or three weeks, you consider it the feeling out process. Okay, how do we feel about this team? Eh, I'm not really sure if I really believe in this team, or eh, I don't know. This team's getting off to a slow start. They'll kick it in gear. But it's at some point, and I think it's arbitrary for everybody, you pick a moment and you say, okay, what your record is is now what you are. And the, right. the team that I think, the two teams that I think embody this the most are the 4-1 and one New York Giants, and the 4-1 Minnesota Vikings. You reach a point where, okay, I'm just going to evaluate you with what you are doing right now on the field. And to your point about the close wins going their way, listen, that's the NFL, man. Each and every year, you can point to every team and multiple games on their schedule where if a bounce of the ball goes their way, mm-hmm. they're not 4-13. They're not They've got eight or nine wins. Right, That is how close the middle of the field is in the National Football League. And, and so I think that's a very important point. And I guess I'll, I'll, I'll lead us in this direction. What's different? What is different offensively? Still the same quarterback. Still got a lot of the same offensive pieces. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. There's not a lot of overhaul in terms of the way the offense is structured. Still Kirk Cousins throwing the ball, mm-hmm. but a new offensive-minded head coach. So what's different? Why was this team able to do what they did against Green Bay in week one? Why is Kirk Cousins able to lead his team down the field and look like a completely different quarterback? What has changed for this team? I think it's the coaching staff. You know, you bring in Kevin O'Connell, who has that experience uh, with Kirk Cousins, I believe, in their time with uh, both their times in Washington with when he was with the commanders there. And it's just a, that that's some, that familiarity 
also breeds confidence in one another, right? Like Mike Zimmer, a lot of people felt like he lost the team. He lost the locker room, right? And that's what that was one of the things that stuck out to me is a lot of times, you know, it's not just about, you know, like you talked about, it's a game of inches, a game of just small margins of error. And last year, it's just I, when I watched this team in those tight games, I didn't see a team that was confident from the coaching staff on down. Right, like a team that will walk on the field. It, it, it's it's it feel for me. It felt good to see Kirk Cousins walk on the field when he knows that he has to drive his team down in a close game when they're down and get the get the score, whether it's three or six, and, and him go out there and do it. He feels like a guy that I got a coach that believes in me and that has instilled me and empowered me to be able to run this offense. Now I will say he does have to. I want to see him take more shots downfield, uh, Chris, because he's playing in such a kind of 10 to 15 yard type of box right now. And I think they can take the top off and really make defense cover everything. But that's what I think will be the biggest difference. Just the coaching staff and just the, it seems like the players are bought in to what Kevin O'Connell is selling. Sometimes you just need a new voice, right? Mike Zimmer had been there for a really long time, and it, it felt that they may have kind of bottomed out. They kind of just been, became stale, became stagnant. And you bring in a new voice. And uh, I think what's so interesting there is you say like, hey, there's still more for this offense to go. And I, while you were talking, I wanted to pull up one one specific player's numbers to talk about. And it, I had no idea that's what you were going to say, but you talk about, hey, we can take the top off the defense. We can do more. And I look at what Justin Jefferson has done each of the last two weeks, and I go, there's more in the tank here. <laughs> he goes 12 for 154 on Sunday against the Bears. The week before in the London game, 10 for 147. And oh, by the way, he started the year, that Green Bay game, 9 for 184 and two touchdowns. Now, he hasn't gotten into the end zone since that Green Bay game, but he's still been a productive player three of the five games that he played. And you're sitting here telling me there's more for this offense to grow. Yes, and I I guess I guess I'll ask it this way. Do you feel as if maybe this is this is the new coaching staff really just taking their time, making sure that the fundamentals are in place? Hey, let's understand what we're trying to do here. And we will slowly as the season goes on, expand our playbook, explain, expand what we want to do. We got to make everybody comfortable. And if Kirk is comfortable operating and what we're asking to do right now, we can slowly almost when you have a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback, we got to slowly dial it up as we grow as a team. And it feels like not necessarily saying handling it with kids, kid gloves, but it feels as if Kevin O'Connell and company are really just taking their time to make sure they are they are mastering what they're able to master right now and then slowly adding as it goes. No, I yeah, I think that is the key. It's you know, just kind of getting everything into into place and taking their time and whatnot. Like you said, Justin Jefferson is super productive and he's running a ton of like 15 to 15 yard routes, over routes, outbreakers, hitches, and it's like Bro, he's not even going for eighty yet, right? Like, and that's the that's the that's the scary. That's why I say it's hope, Skull Nation, that that you really could be the the contenders that you want to be when you start attacking these coverages deep. And I think it was something that uh, I read a quote from Kirk Cousins just talking about how I think for him he's allowing previous. He says something about how he's allowing previous plays to uh, dictate how he's going about the next play instead of just playing it in the vacuum and playing it, okay, this is what the play call is. Because like I, I talked about with uh, one of the plays in the game against Chicago where he had a big potential, big play on a um, on a rollout. He had uh, Justin Jefferson coming across the formation into the flats, and he had Irv Smith wide open on the corner, and he threw it. In, instead of looking at Irv Smith first because you look high to low, he just went straight to Justin Jefferson. And then right after the ball was completed, he looked up at Irv 
And Earl's by himself, and he was just like he 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 gave that that signal like that's on me. And I think that I feel like seeing him talk about that and be honest about it could spell could be a, a good sign for them going forward that he may start to look a little higher first. Say, may hey, can I get this deep shot in? If so, I'm gonna go ahead and take it. Yeah, and I think there's a confidence that you're starting to see from Kirk where in years past we've always been like, oh, primetime Kirk, how's he going to screw this up? What's he going to do? And listen, there are things that he has done that has put them in a situation where they need these fourth quarter comebacks. Let's not shy away from that. But at the end of the day, when it matters most, he's putting his team in a position to win football games, and that is important. Uh, You wrote a story for the Draft Network. It's either up while you're listening to the show or it will be up at some point about another star on on that offense, on that offensive line, not one of these receivers, not one of these running backs, and I think this is a big part of why they've been able to be successful. Talk uh, talk for a minute about Christian Darasaw. Man, stud. He is a stud. 6'4", 315, and, and Chrissy moves like a guy that's smaller than that. And, and when you see a guy that has the ability to redirect and handle twists and stunts, absorb power, handle speed rushers, one of the main things I remember just when he was coming out of college was he was so ferocious, so physical, so aggressive, especially in the run game, right? And and it's you can tell when a tackle has earned the trust of their coaching staff and their quarterback when you're when you're basically on an island, right? They're sliding protection the opposite direction because they know, hey, my young tackle or my tackle is good to go. I always tell people, man, for me. The two toughest positions in football outside of quarterback are tackle and cornerback because you're the only two positions that typically have to be on the island by yourself and handle an athlete that's sometimes greater than you coming full speed ahead towards you, right? So he's handling the speed rushers. He's handling power rushers. You see him just literally – I remember Gronk when he blocked the uh, the safety years ago in Indianapolis and they uh, out, of the, out of the play – and they was like, Gronk, you know, what happened? That place, I had to throw, I had to take him out the club. I had to get him out of the club. That's what Christian Derrissaw does, Chris. Like, he's so physical in the run game. I'm watching him, like, you know, guy tries to slant inside. He fits his hands, and he just drives him and washes him to the ground. I'm like, this this guy, he's so good. And the crazy part about it, he missed all offseason last year with a groin injury, had to have a second procedure which forced him to miss time. They didn't. They, they had to ease him into the season. He didn't really start playing until week five. We got like 28 to 30 snaps on offense. Then from week six on, he hasn't looked back. This young man is playing very well. I think it's so important, DP, to talk about the fact that there has been an increased investment over the last couple of years by this Vikings team into the offensive line. I have their depth chart open, and you look at the top 64 picks that they've invested. Two firsts in both Darisaw and Garrett Bradbury, and then the rest of their line, all second-rounders, Ezra Cleveland, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill. So they've invested heavily into, hey— we got to get better in the trenches. We got to get better up front. And having some somebody like Christian Darasov pan out and be as good as he's been is has also been very important uh, to what they've done. Uh, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball because I think if there was a point of concern, you go into the year, right? New coach there in Minnesota, but I think we all expected that ah, Kirk Cousins, he's going to constantly put up numbers, and we know that that's what he's going to do. And eh, they got a pretty good running back back there in Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson's going to get his. Adam Thielen's going to get his. Offensively, you thought, okay, they're going to put up points. They probably make some mistakes with Kirk, but they're going to be in all the games. The thing that I think was the big question mark about this Vikings team has been the defense. And I, I guess I'm going to ask you about this. What have you seen from the defense so far? Is this a strength of this football team? Uh, and if, if so, how do they continue for it to be a strength so that they are a balanced team on both sides of the ball? 
the, the defense gives me some cause for concern, right? Uh, like, see, this is why you asked the tough yeah. questions, DP. We can get to the bottom of it here on the show. <laughs> it gives me some cause for concern. They play a lot of zone coverage. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson's a little older, a little longer in the tooth. Not the same athlete he used to be in his prime. Uh, you know, Cameron uh, Cam Dantzler is a slimmer, um, leaner corner, so you don't want to put him in too many physical press coverage opportunities or situations versus some bigger receivers. And then they haven't had their second-round pick, Andrew Booth, uh, all season because he's had a quad. I think it was a quad injury, and then he's uh, working on his ankle, getting that back healthy. And then, of course, you lose your first-round pick, Lewis Sign, um, to, to a, a, a leg injury. He's out for the season. He just had surgery. So it, it's – and then your star – supposed to be your star pass rusher, Daniil Hunter, um, is just not played up to the caliber that we've seen in the past, right, before he was hurt. So those are the things that, you know, Zadarius Smith coming over from free agency has been a, a bright spot for them. But I just want to see better from the front lines, get more pressure, get quick pressure. Uh, they did a good job against, you know, week one. They did a great job against Aaron Rodgers. They frustrated him. They flustered that offensive line. And I want to see more of that, not just – with sending pressures, but getting home with four so that you can have as many people drop seven in coverage and be able to really force quarterbacks to make these tight window throws. So Andrew Booth is, is uh, supposed to be back this week uh, versus Miami, a stiff test with the receivers they have there. But, you know, just getting him back in the fold, getting some more athleticism, some more youth, and for him to get those reps, Chris, and develop is going to be good for this defense. So I do have my causes for concern. They can change some things around if they can get that pass rush activated and consistent. Uh, but I'm keeping my eye on them. They haven't given up 30 points yet this season, but I think the trend that you would look at is in each of the last three games, they've given up at least 20 after the first game of the year. They only allowed seven to Aaron Rodgers. Everyone thought that was kind of a breakout emergence game for the Vikings as a team. But I will say this. They clearly knew that defense was going to be a priority. Five of their first six picks in the 2022 NFL draft were on the defensive side of the ball. Their first two picks were on the defensive side of the ball. Lewis Seen, uh, as you mentioned, hurt, not going to play. Andrew Booth, somebody they're looking to get back into the they understood what needed to change defensively, and I think the unfortunate thing, and I think if you're looking for cracks, if you're looking for a way to say, yeah, if you're Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, here they come. They're going to do what they always do and take over this division. I think you point to the Vikings defense and say, yeah, can they, can they withstand uh, the injuries? Can they play consistent enough on a regular basis? And I think that's what I would look forward to. I think the offense, you're going to continue to see the growth and development as long as they stay healthy. They've been relatively healthy in that regard. But this defense, I'll say it again, five of their first six picks, they invested in the defensive side of the ball. And, and DP, when you use two of your top 64 picks on defense, you're expecting some immediate starters, and and unfortunately, they're, one's hurt and not going to play, and the other one's not back yet. So they're in that regard, they're not getting that production. Right. That's the tough part about it, man. Like, when you have these expectations, and like you said, they came into that draft with a plan, Chris. They knew, like, we have to get better defensively, especially in the secondary, you know, um, losing uh, Jeff Gladney to the to the cold court case thing and releasing him before his, um you know, his, his unfortunate, untimely passing this, this past spring. But – they, the the secondary was a problem. It was an issue. You know, they, Patrick Peterson was able to be like a band aid for him, but you know they need to to especially with um, Harrison Smith getting a little older himself, not being the same player that he once was. Lewis Seen was going to be you know supposed to be that sponge to him to to gain that knowledge and, and be that that kind of roamer like a rover. He could do a lot of different things. Play the strong safety, play the free. So it, it's unfortunate, man, that, that the injury bug got them there. Uh, but like I said, getting uh, Andrew Booth back will be 
big and be key so he could just kind of even if he has a bad game I, I don't care it's the first game back let's just get those reps let's get those reps so we can get into the film room this week and see what you did wrong let's correct it so he can know and be more instinctive as the season goes on because I mean if they make a run Chris and the defense is catching some steam they can really do some things come uh, come January your best ability is availability, and just getting Andrew Booth on the field will be an immediate, I think, infusion of some energy and some excitement into this defense that probably needs it. Let's look ahead, though, DP, because I think I think the thing that I, I, I find so fascinating, 4-1 start, the expectation with the Minnesota Vikings over, I would say, the last five or six years is, okay, when's that shoe going to drop, right? When when is they when are they going to get back to being that Minnesota Vikings team that we've come to expect over the last couple of years? And I look at the next three-game stretch at Miami, home against the Cardinals, and, and at the Commanders. They have a bye week in between there. But I look at those three games, DP, and I say, man, if the team that's played through the first five games shows up, those are three winnable games. Those are three mm -hmm. games where we yeah. could be talking about the 7-1 and one Minnesota Vikings. So I think if I, if I was going to put the question out there, are the Minnesota Vikings for real? Has there been a changing of the guard in the NFC North? The way they play in these three games is going to be the telltale sign of everything. You're going to play a Dolphins team that probably won't have Tua Tungavailoa, a Cardinal team that is so inconsistent, wild, up and down on a daily basis, and it's at home, and then a Commanders team that is 1-4 and four and ha can't get out of their own way at times. So guess what? Right. You run that gauntlet, you go 2-1, and one, I think you will settle the question, and like I said earlier, your record is what, what you are. They will be considered a top team in the NFC. Do you see it the same way? No, I do. And, and that, that that Vikings game is going to be really interesting to me. They played the Vikings, I believe, last year. It was a close game. I think they lost by a missed field goal. Uh, it was a really, like, I think, high-scoring game back and forth. The thing that's going to – I think that game – and I, if you had asked me this weeks ago, Chris, I wouldn't have said this. But that <laughs> that game is going to be really interesting but cut for the offense for the Vikings. Vance Joseph and that defense has done a really good job taking away the number one receivers. Devontae Adam, they held the two catches. They they kept Cooper Cup under 50 yards receiving, right? Uh they kept AJ Brown to four catches on seven three three catches on seven targets. And I think he had less than 40 yards last this past Sunday, right? So Justin Jefferson coming in and the way that Kirk Cousin leans on Justin Jefferson. It's going to be interesting because now it's going to, the, the, what they're doing in Arizona is forcing you to get the other guys involved, right? So will Kirk Cousins be diligent and say, well, you know what? I'm going to hit Adam Thielen here. I'm going to take Earl Smith here. Or am I going to test that bracket coverage? Am I going to go back to the old Kirk Cousins that everybody likes to rag on and I'm going to throw it in the double coverage and throw a pick? I'm going to be interested in that game specifically just for how good the, the Cardinals have been against number one receivers the past couple weeks. A 4-1 start for the Minnesota Vikings. It deserves its fair share of praise for the way that they have played and the fact that they right now are the top team in the NFC North. I think there are fair questions about whether or not they can keep it, but I think we'll learn a lot over the next three games. And, and DP, you and I are kind of in lockstep of, hey, so far so good, but you gotta you got to earn that stench away, right? You have to yeah. earn us not defaulting to, eh, when's that shoe going to drop? But there are signs here of them being able to be a consistent enough football team. DP, always appreciate you spending a few minutes with the show. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, man. Oh, and one more thing. That Cardinals game that Damien was talking about? Yeah. Comes after the Vikings bye week. So if we are to believe in this team, if we are going to buy into the great start that they've had and the schedule that is favorable over the next three weeks, that game's the one I'm going to circle as well. Coming off of the bye week, an extra week to prepare. If there are two games that you should absolutely win from a preparation standpoint, it's the first week of the season, which they did against the Green Bay Packers, and it's after the bye. You have more time to prepare for the Cardinals than the Cardinals do for you. And where might the Cardinals be at that point? Well, with games against the Seahawks and Saints coming up on their schedule, 
should be a team that you will be favored against. So if we are to believe that the Vikings are changing the guard in the NFC North, yeah, I'm paying attention to that game against the Cardinals. That's going to be it for the Wednesday edition of TD and Daily. Appreciate Bet Online for their continued support of the show. I'll talk to everybody tomorrow.